These are the days where the sons are taking their rightful place. These are the days where authority comes upon the church. These are the days where the power of heaven touches earth. These are the days of new beginnings. These are the days of grace. These are the days of empowerment. Amen? Extraordinary authority of the believer. I told you, tabernacles. He said it's, it's not time. It, he said we've all had times of winning. But now is the time for the grand slam. I've never heard that from the pulpit before. And I thought, wow. I want to talk to you about that, Lord. What does it mean in your heart for the grand slam? Well, let me. Uh, I, I've tried to think of a few different ways to bring this message. I'm a very visual learner. I can uh, learn twice as fast by visualizing and putting my hands to something than I can studying manuals or studying things. And so I thought today, as this message is being brought, I wanted to use a couple of different ways to bring the message. And I thought um, Matt would get a chuckle over this, because Matt knows what this is. Uh, it's, a, it's a power board, and it uh, is the really the, the basis for plasma systems, and it controls over 100 amps of power um, at around 170 volts. It is the basis that um, powers the plasma uh, in ways so you can do extraordinary things with it. It's a power board that uh, controls about just under 20 kilowatts of power. Enough power to run several houses. As I was just aware for the last week that I lost power and I had to run off generators and things. So the Lord's been talking to me. And the thing is, um, there's a section in the top of this board that's got really, really small components. Even though the board is dealing with huge power, 20 kilowatts of power, more than what this building is consuming right now, that this board controls that kind of power. And it does it with tiny little circuitry that operate on milliwatts microwatts. And there's a program built into this board to do what the designer asked it to do. Well, what's plasma, you say? Well, plasma, I like to think of plasma by spiritual senses. Plasma is like a fourth state of matter. You say, well, Sean, I thought science taught us that there's only three states of matter. Well, yeah, there is, but in God, in God, there are limitless things. Well, what are the three states of matter? Well, you take, you take a solid, right? Uh, not a lot of heat in it. And you take a solid. And you add energy to it, and you get a liquid. Another state of matter. You continue to add energy to that liquid, and you get a gas. The three states of matter. Solid, liquid, and a gas. But the, there's a fourth state of matter that an entire business is built on. And science doesn't really recognize it in the sense that I was taught in high school and college.
college. The fourth state of matter is if you continue to add energy to a gas, the gas will become conductive at some point. And the gas will begin to do things that are extraordinary. And so I bring it down to simple matter. When I was a kid, we had a hall light switch at the end of the hall. And I came out one night, and I turned the switch on, and I heard a little zzzz. thought, oh, that was cool. I want to hear that again. Well, I did. I was six or seven years old, and I thought it was pretty cool. So I'm working the light switch back and forth until I heard the zzzz. What's going on if you take a circuit and have a closed circuit so there's current going around in that circuit, energy, power. And then you break the circuit ever so slightly. There's enough energy going around that circuit to create an arc. And the power will jump from one portion to the next, an electrode to a cathode, for instance. That's what this board does. This board controls that kind of power by, break, by creating a very high current, hundreds of amps, and then breaking the circuit and throwing and, and forcing shop air, air, compressed air that we would get from an air compressor, and forcing air through that gap that's creating that arc, that that light switch started to have... And it's the energy that's in that arc that is superheated, tens of thousands of degrees Fahrenheit, that when you take shop air that's just full of oxygen and nitrogen and all kinds of things in our atmosphere, and you put it through a superheated, focused flame, that air that we are breathing becomes conductive. And it becomes conductive in a way that wants to be very unstable. It wants to give off its energy. And, and uh, uh, you heard about valence electrons. It wants to give off energy into things that are like a magnet to it. So you create this, you create this arc. You blow air through it. The air is superheated tens of thousands of degrees, it becomes conductive. And now if you focus that flame onto a workpiece, it starts to cut very quickly, very rapidly. And it's that process that is called plasma cutting, that this board, this, this process is managed through. Something this small. Well, this board is busted. I asked the guys for a board, and they gave me one. Matt's job, by the way, is to fix these things. <laughs> we sell 30, 40, 50,000 of these a year, and they don't all work all the time. And, and the thing is, when you deal with that much power, it's scary. And if you have to fix these things, and you have to find the components that are broken, 
and narrow it down and fix it, it's a bomb. I've had these things blow up in my face. And when they blow up, my team calls it, Sean, you let the smoke out. It's, it's a bomb. It's 20 kilowatts of power inches away. And so the curiosity about all of this is this board is broken. And it doesn't work for the way the designer intended it to work. We have to have, we have to be able to fix it somehow. I'd love Matt to bring this word. <laughs> he does this. So we have schematics that the designer of the product wrote all of his thoughts down, all of the ideas that accurately 100% represents how that board works. Every part of it. And it's a lot of detail. This is one page of, of a few. And I printed it out as big as I could on my plotter so you could see it. It's very complex. It's got a lot of symbols on it that most people don't recognize or even know what to do with. And now it's possible since we have the idea of the designer, we can begin to think about how to troubleshoot it, how to fix it, how to identify what's wrong. But we're still perplexed because how do I take this that is the written manual, that is the written authority, the guy that designed this thing, put it all on paper so others could see it. How do I read that and look at this to figure out what's wrong. There's hundreds of components on this board. They each have a very specific role to play in the function of controlling 20, kilo, 20 kilowatts of power. This board takes AC and converts it to DC. And then it manages the DC by a management process to control that arc that I'm talking about. Well, I got the schematic. I can see the connectors. I can see the computers. I can see the chips. I can see the drive circuits. But I don't know if they're working or not. There's, there's, the smoke wasn't let out of this board. I can't, I can't see it. I'm using all of my faculties, my sight, my understanding, my knowledge. I'm even using my smell. Because when you've done enough of these things, you can smell the burning of individual components. And so you start to smell the board in different areas to say, well, maybe it's that section. I'm, I'm serious. I'm, this is how it works. Matt, you know this stuff, right? I mean, you use your smell, right? You narrow it down. Where is the board not functioning? I don't really want to power it up with 480 volts, three phase, and then wonder where it is. So there's tools that we're given as people, as engineers, as technicians, as assembly people, as troubleshooters, as field service people. And one of the tools that we're given is an oscilloscope. This is one of the primary tools that is used to, to fix uh, circuits that are not working. 
Its function in life is to take something that is electrical in nature and create a visual representation of what's going on. And so you can take this thing and through probes that are insulated and isolated, some more than others, and you can begin to probe circuits and stick probes onto the board and then look at the schematic and say, well, that's functioning the way the designer wanted it to function. That's not it. And you keep going. And this particular scope can handle AC and DC up to thousands and thousands of watts through different probes. It can decode serial frequencies, serial signals. It can decode CAN messages and Ethernet messages and on and on and on. And there's a lot of buttons on this thing, and it's a very intelligent scope. And it's the basis for troubleshooting when you're in the lab and you're trying to find out what is wrong with that circuit. I need to fix it. This scope uh, that I took out of the lab, some of these scopes are upwards of $50,000. They're very expensive. They do a lot of different things. They can decode very complex serial signals, messages of networks and protocol and make the troubleshooter's job much easier. And so this particular scope is programmed to uh, have a lot of different functions and features that a troubleshooter might use to figure out what is really wrong with this board because in its current state, it's not useful. In its current state, it's busted. It doesn't really serve the purpose the designer designed it to function under. I have a schematic. I have a tool, very expensive tool. I'm trained on this tool to know how to use it. I'm trained to know what functions to set it up under that it will visually represent, oh, the problem is right there. First the natural, and then the spiritual. So I want to talk about the things that I've just talked about in the natural. $50,000. Can you imagine? Would you pay fifty grand for this silly little box? Isn't that crazy? That's how much they're cost because the industry knows how valuable it is. And the industry knows the kind of tools that are needed for people that are trying to do these kinds of jobs. You really got no other way to do it. When technology today is being so complex, you need complex tools. God gave us a schematic. And he wrote a love letter. And the love letter was intended for the sons and the kings and the priests to know how to function under his direction. What's more valuable? I bought this Bible for under 50 bucks, right? Paid for it. So 50,000 on this oscilloscope or 50 bucks? What's more valuable? I would suggest this is more valuable because this is the blood of Jesus Christ, which is priceless. 
This are a set of instructions to the sons and the kings and the princes about how the author of all of creation intended his creation to function, even when it's broken, even when it's not useful in the sense of it's working the way he wanted it to work. There are instructions in this book that God wants to reveal, just like this schematic. This designer, I know this designer personally, Matt does. He goes to him, asks him questions when we get stuck. And we say to him, you designed this thing, it's 20-something years old or 15 years old, but we've got so many of these out there. What would you think if Matt came to this designer or I came to this designer or somebody in India came to the designer, called him up and said, uh, my board doesn't work anymore. I'm going to send it back to you so you can fix it. Do you think this designer would take time out of his day to fix that board? No. Because if he did that, he wouldn't be working on the next greatest thing in preparation for a release that's going to uh, create a new function or a new feature. Such is the same in the Spirit. There are times and seasons where God ushers in. So if I went to this designer and said, can you help me fix this board and figure out what's wrong with it because I really need this board, I really need this function in life, and I can't really do the things I want to do unless it's fixed, he would say, no. I've given you everything I need, you need. I've given you the theory of operation. I've given you a user's manual. I've given you a detailed schematic, which is proprietary, by the way. This schematic is proprietary. It belongs to the company that I work for. And it's not just given to anybody. It's given to people whom the company trusts. Whom the company is giving the authority to take the secrets, the hidden things, and to apply them for the benefit of the company. This is secret. Our competitors would love to have the detailed schematics of the products that are out on the market today. So this designer would tell me, Sean, nope, I've given you the schematics, I've given you the secret information, I've given you the software, I've given you the theory of operation, you're going to have to fix it. Okay. All right. If there's 100,000 of these things out on the board and 1% and of them fail, it would take the designer probably the rest of his life to fix all of those boards, and he would never produce the next greatest thing. That's why he took the time out and gave us tools we needed and drawings we needed, and proprietary information and secrets so that people could carry on the intention of what he released for people to have. Amen? Are you with me? Yeah. All right. If I gave this schematic, and this oscilloscope, and this dead board 
to somebody that was untrained, they would probably kill themselves. I'm just being real. There's 20 kilowatts of power there. I've been electrocuted by the darn thing, trying to fix it years ago. I've hypoted myself. I've done strange things that... And the thing is, the Word of God is not intended for everyone. The Word of God is intended for those that have received salvation. Who have been trained up to know the heart of the designer. That knows. Jesus, the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. And so, as we first see the natural, let us go over into the spiritual. You may see yourself as small and insignificant. Some of these pieces on here are so tiny, you need a microscope to see them. You need a microscope to place them on the board in the right location and solder them in place. Some of those things are so tiny that you'd think, the board doesn't need that. It can function just fine without it. It's a teeny little thing that I can't even hardly see. Why are you laughing? Right? You know what I'm talking about. The thing is, every single component on that board serves in its capacity of the design of the part to accomplish the end result of creating a 20 kilowatt DC signal to be controlled in a way that's safe, that brings an advantage to the person that's using it, to be used in a very special way. And that board can't do without any of those components. Or it starts to function differently. It may still function, but it doesn't function at the highest capacity the original designer authored it under. Do you understand? So you may say to yourself, as we start looking at the transition from the natural into the spirit, you see yourself as small and insignificant, but you were designed to rule. You were made in the very image of God. You were designed to co-reign with Him. And He needs you. You're not insignificant. You're not a little tiny piece in, the, in a speck of all of creation. You're critical to His work. The Bible instructions meant this for the sons, the, the, this word was meant for the sons, the kings, and the priests to know the secrets of his heart. To know how to understand that when God releases a new anointing on the face of the earth, the sons, the prophets, the anointed ones are going to know and how to function. Because the purpose of this board is going to change under the hand of the designer and it's getting an upgrade. It's getting a new revision. We have the schematic to the Father's creation and His passion describing how He wants these things to work. 
the Bible is intended to be the love letter to his sons, the kings, the priests. What do you suppose it would be like you're waiting for Jesus' return. So we're waiting for His return. What are we supposed to be doing? What are we supposed to be busy about doing? The disciples wondered the very same thing. What do we do when you're gone? You're gone! You're not here anymore! Jesus made it very clear. In Mark chapter 13, 32 through 37. But that day and that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch, and pray. For you do not know when the time is. It is like a man. So he's trying to give us a word picture. It is like a man going to a far off country who left his house and gave all of his authority to his servants. The guy that designed this product gave everything needed to keep it functioning the way he said. And then that designer left. He went to do something else. who left his house and gave the authority to his servants and to teach his work and the commandments and the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming back. In the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you asleep. And what do I say to you? I say to you, watch. I can only imagine if we sold 50,000 of those products and 40,000 of them broke and we stuck them in a warehouse someplace and just said we're waiting for the designer to come back and fix them, I'll bet you he would be pretty irate. I'll bet you he would have a few very choice words to say. About he wouldn't come back. Oh, I hate to think of that. Jesus, you're coming back. I know you are. The body of Christ is coming into a time where we know to stand in authority as His sons. A mouthpiece. Releasing the intent of the Father and the God's voice on earth. God wants to be known. But not in a way where man has his own agenda. A time of restoration. And not in our own power and might. But by His Spirit. As the sons walk in authority. A time of real advancement. As Jesus taught us how to pray. Saying, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. We're in a season of time now that tabernacles ushered us into. He said, it's time to grow up. It's time to advance. It's time to participate in the next movement of the Spirit of the living God. Just as the author of this board ten years ago has done a dozen revisions to make that thing better, 
so you can think of God as ushering in a new time, not doing away with the past. He didn't do away with this thing and throw it out. There was a lot that was good. There was a lot that was useful. And a lot of people found it valuable. But there's something better. There's something even better, smaller, more powerful, more features. Insight into things uh, new serial ports to put on this thing, new uh, Ethernet cards to put on there so you can control that thing over the Internet in extraordinary ways. God is saying that there's an upgrade coming. and It's fresh and it's exciting and it's new. And it's powerful. We didn't reduce the power. We increased it on the new revisions. A time to accelerate the training process, to humble ourselves before Him, expecting. Expecting. Not saying, I know everything. I've seen this board for 15 years. I have dealt with that thing over and over again and I know every single part and component on that thing and I can tell you about it in my sleep. I'm a Christian that's 20 years old and I know it all. That's a dangerous position to be in. So when God ushers something new, it's time to humble ourselves even though we've had training for over and over and over again, the sons are being trained still and to humble ourselves. I want to take a quick sidetrack here. At the feast, I got a nasal infection and I was struggling with it. So what do you do when you get a nasal infection? You go to the drugstore, you talk to the pharmacist, you say, this is what's going on, what's going to help me and get rid of this thing. And he takes you down the aisle and he said, you can have this or that or that, but this is what I recommend. And you take it home and you swallow the pills and you think, oh, that's going to be over. Well, it wasn't. And so I got back to the pharmacy and I took some lozenges and some other things and some syrup and on and on and on. And all the things I knew how to do to get rid of the nasal thing were working. And I was suffering and my chest really hurt because of the coughing and it was affecting my whole body. And then I come into church one day, and Deb Kerwin comes to me and says, uh, Sean, have you ever used a neti pot? Oh, I so much hate those things. I said, yeah, I've used one, and I don't really like them because the salts and things really affect me. And she goes, well, I've got some stuff for you to try, and, and I knew God was saying you got to go home and do the nasal flush. And I'm telling you, I dreaded that. Because whenever I do that, it, I get to coughing and hacking and the, the stuff goes in places that it shouldn't. And it just, oh my gosh. It's dreadful. But I did it. And I'm telling you, some green stuff and some brown stuff and some yellow stuff came out that was like ultra gross. I'm like, oh my gosh, where did that come from? And instantly, I felt better. Instantly. And from that moment on, I wasn't struggling with trying to breathe and the post-nasal drip thing and so on. 
The point is, God is ushering in something new, and the old ways may not work. The old ways of troubleshooting our problems and troubleshooting the issues of the day may not work. They may, if they do, praise God. But if they don't, as a son, he's asking you to come higher, to experience him in a new way. And we're going to see how he's calling us to do that as I move us along here. God gave authority, and he expects you to use it. Moses was asking the father what to do. They'd just come out of Egypt, right? Moses is leading the people, hundreds of thousands of people. They get to the Red Sea. The Egyptians are coming behind them. There's a gigantic cloud of dust coming from the chariots. And there's hundreds of thousands of people backed up against the sea. And they're sure they're going to be killed, right? And they were sure that they're going to be overtaken by the Egyptians and either slaughtered or taken back to Egypt. I don't know what they were thinking. But it was a bad situation. They began to complain against Moses, saying, have you just brought us out here to die in the wilderness? To, because there were no graves in Egypt and they were just going to be slaughtered out here? Have you got some secret agenda with Pharaoh that you've put us into this position? And they start grumbling and complaining against him. Moses goes to God. says, God, you've got to do something. What did God do? It's extraordinary the way God orchestrates the events of our lives to get us to places that we never would have gotten on our own. Not of our own wisdom and understanding because natural wisdom would have said, God, you've got to go deal with the Egyptians. You've got to go deal with the accuser of the brethren. You've got to go deal with the lies. You've got to go deal with the depression. You've got to go deal with the places of affliction. What did God say? Moses, if you're not going to work with me, there's nothing I can do. And he says, Moses, you go part the waters. You go part the Red Sea. There's not a man on earth that had ever done anything like that. So Moses didn't have a mentor to look to, to know how to part the sea. He only had his God telling him what he expected of him through an intimate knowledge of who he was. Moses probably wasn't sure about how to proceed. But faith comes by hearing. And hearing the Word of God. And miracles come by obedience to the faith. If Moses would have said, okay, I have the power to do it, and didn't do the action, the sea wouldn't have been divided. According to the Word, the waters were separated when Moses raised his staff and spoke, Today you will see your enemies no more. Salvation is yours. What did God do? He went the other way. According to the Word, God went in the other direction and dealt with the adversary. He put a pillar of smoke and clouds up there all night and all day. And it was light to one, but darkness to the other. And God was creating a 
an, uh, a situation where the adversary could come this far, but no more. Such is the same today on the face of the earth. God is creating a wall where the adversary is allowed to come, but no more. Now that wall is not a forever wall. It's to give the sons time to do what God has asked them to do. It's to give the prophets. It's to give the kings. It's to give the princes. It's to give you the time that you need to obey. And all that night, God caused a wind to push back the waters at the command of one man. Isn't that amazing? And that night, they began to walk through the midst of something that should have destroyed them. And when they were on the other side, the man of God stood in the place and said, let the waters return to where they were. And the adversary was drowned. In the meantime, God was taking off the wheels of the chariots. He was confusing their battle plans. And I would suggest that God was doing infinitely more than Moses did in just parting the waters. But none of it would have happened unless somebody heard his voice and said, I believe it. Exodus chapter 14, verse 15. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry out to me? Because you're God. Because you're the author of life. Because you're the one that delivered us out of bondage. And God says, why are you crying out to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and you divide it. And the children of Israel shall go forth on dry ground in the midst of the sea. God will also work with you. This is the co-reigning that he has longed for. This is what's in God's heart in the day that we're in. Exodus 14. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And a pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp and the Egyptians and the camp of, the, of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one, and it gave light and night to the other, so that no one, so that the one did not come near the other all night. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back with a strong east wind all night, and made the sea into dry ground. Our role on earth is to use our God-given gifts and tools and authority. No weapon formed against us will prosper. The weapons, and when you see something broken and not functioning the way God intended, your job is to release the power through the authority of God until change is. Back to the thing that I had. I've got expensive tools. I've got things. But unless I take the initiative to be trained up to know how to use the tools to know how to read the drawings, 
and apply the tools to the product, there's no way I can fix it. Moses cried out, uh, excuse me. Luke chapter 10, verse 18. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall hurt you by any means. Nevertheless, don't rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Don't rejoice because you've got the ability to fix that. But rejoice because your name is written in heaven. The Father does the work. John 14. Do, not, do you not believe that I am in the Father, Jesus says, and the Father in me? The words that I speak, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. You're coming to a season of time where you're understanding the schematic, the priceless instructions to the sons. The priceless, the knowledge that is proprietary. The world won't be able to ever figure this out. Only by the Spirit will a person ever be able to use this in the full authority of God's name. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father do. And I only say what I hear the Father say. That's where the training comes in. That's where you and I can fulfill the words that were released at tabernacles that declared in our presence, now is the time to grow up under the authority of the head, under Christ, under our pastors. Now is the time to humble ourselves and not pretend like we know how to do it everything. Because it's changed. I fixed hundreds of these boards, but there's six or seven revisions from then until now. And I have no idea what those revisions are because God is unfolding it in real time ahead of us. So you can't pretend to use the tools of the past to work in the kingdom of the now. Amen? So as we continue on here, Moses cried out for God to part the sea, but God said to Moses, I've given you the authority to do it. I'm waiting for you. Jesus said, I give you the authority to bind and loose. I'm getting ahead of myself here. So as we close, what do you see that's broken and not operating the way God intended? We have, we have a product called creation, called mankind, called the family of God, called the sons. We have governments. We have a community. We have people that we love and care about. We have natural disasters happening multiple times a year. What do you see? Do you see sickness? Do you see pain and suffering? Do you see disease? Do you see the need for deliverance? 
from fear? Do you see jealousy or witchcraft or bondages or deception? Do you see sorrow and deceit? What is it that you see? You don't see the same things I see. and I don't see the same things you see. Because this is a many-membered body. With every joint supplying. The Holy Spirit will come and teach you. Yes, you have been trained. Yes, you know the Scriptures. But when God does a new thing, there's no man on the earth that has experienced that before. And you need to walk under authority. There's an amazing story about a man that came to Jesus. He was a centurion. And he came to Jesus, and there was something going on in his household that affected him passionately. And he wanted to see one of his relatives healed. I think it was his daughter. And he came to Jesus and he said, I've done everything I know how to do. I've got the doctors. I've got plenty of money. I can afford the best care. I can afford the best... I'm a centurion. I'm upper class. But what he was presented with, he couldn't fix. He couldn't cause it to be okay. And he went to Jesus and he said, Jesus, would you be willing to speak the word? And Jesus said, I'll I'll come to your house. And the centurion said, no, I'm a man under authority. I know how this works. All you have to do is speak the word and it is done. All you have to do is look to the Father in heaven to see what the rhema word is for the day that moment, for that second, and draw that power and authority from the Father and release it by speaking it. And the centurion said, it will be done for me. It's done. You don't have to come to my house. You you don't have to send 40 disciples. You don't have to go into a Bible study. You don't have to do that. Jesus, all you need to do is speak the word. For I am a man under authority. And I understand that if I tell one of my uh, soldiers to jump, he jumps. If I tell him to move forward and to take that village, he takes it. If I tell this centurion to lock the gate on that city, he locks it. And we don't argue about it. And I am a man under authority. And when my authority tells me to do something with the privileges that I've been given... I do it. Jesus, I recognize you of a man of authority. We have authority in this place. You cannot function normally out from under your covering. It's going to be critical in these days that you understand and you know how to walk under the covering that you have been given. Kathy and Lonnie. It's going to be critical Or you'll find yourself in places dealing with immense power. And I could be hurt by it. And I could be damaged by it. I'll survive. But there will be consequences. So the centurion said, all you need to do is say the word. 
Jesus is saying in these days, I will send the Helper to reveal to you in real time how to deal with the new anointing that I am bringing to you. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own authority. So now we see the submission, even with the Holy Spirit, to His covering, to the headship. He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will tell you of the things to come. He will glorify Me. For He will take of what is Mine and declare it to you. All things the Father has are Mine. Therefore I said that He will take of what is Mine and declare it to you. So as I wrap up here, Matthew chapter 18, 18, Assuredly, Jesus is saying, to his disciples. I have conquered hell and death. I've been into the depths of hell. I've loosened the captives. I took back the keys. I took back the authority. I took back everything the devil has stolen from mankind. And I possess that in the fullness now. And just before Jesus went away, he said to the disciples, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. Or where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. The same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is living and active in you right now. He reveals Jesus, the truth, the light. He brings understanding and authority to identify what is broken so that it can be restored back to the original intention of the Father. I see you rising up in these days, changing your cry from asking for the desiring of help by others into declaring against your enemy by releasing the Word of God, declaring fear be gone, depression be gone, pain and suffering be gone, sickness be gone, lying spirits be silenced. Accusing spirits, be silenced. You beginning to walk in a freedom that is all about Jesus and the fullness of what He's releasing today in the beginning of tabernacles. Sons, daughters, kings, it's time to grow up. It's time to operate in a realm by speaking the Word of God with the full authority of the Father doing the work. It's time to experience a releasing of His Word that when we come together as a many-membered body, every joint supplies. Not one part of this power board handling 20 kilowatts of power 
can do without it. Or the designer would have said, I need to cut $20 from that board. I'm going to take out the things that don't matter. He's done that over and over and over again until he got to a point in time where he said, everything that's left is critical to the function of that board. We are in a season right now where every single person sitting in this place is critical to function to carry out the purposes of the anointing that God has laid on us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah! Um, Announcements. Help me with announcements. Um, Oh, yes. Next Saturday, 9 o'clock, we're going to be doing a cleanup outside. Um, So that means all the flowers are going to get cut down and uh, we're going to be raking. And it's so much easier to do it now than in the spring. Um, So please, please, please come and help. Many hands make light work. Um, We have to um, move some things outside, clean up all the gardens, just get ready for the snow. Thank God it's still warm, and even though it's November, it's not bitter cold and windy. And I think next weekend is going to be uh, a good day, so please, please come. Uh, Nine o'clock on Saturday. Uh, if it's just a couple, if it's just uh, a couple people, it's kind of like an all-day event. If it's like six or eight, a couple hours. It's that easy. Amen. Yes. Anything else? Here we go. Uh, the other announcement, Living Word School of Ministry will be starting um, the semester in January. And in conjunction with the Word today, um, that is a great place for you to start. If you don't have the foundation, if you don't, if, if some of what he said today you didn't quite get, um, sign up for that class because you need the tools. In the season we're going into, you've got to have the equipment, you've got to understand uh, what this manual, the Creator's manual and how this thing is supposed to work. And we will be starting in January. So I really ask you to pray about it. Uh, somebody came to me and said they wanted to come. Um, you know, it's the dis- discipline of the disciple. Jesus took them and taught them the word. You can't you're not going to learn everything you know on a on a 30 40 minute sermon on a Sunday. You are not going to get it. You're not going to understand the plan. So again, I'm excited. I want to see students signing up in January. We'll be having sign up sheets before too long. So you can get signed up for the Living Word School of Ministry. Amen. The email is going to be going out next Sunday. We're going to be uh going over all the things that Tabernacles released. For some of you that weren't able to come to the services, we're going to see that releasing uh, take place. Uh, Personal ministry, laying on of hands, activating in the realm of the Spirit. Next Sunday, let everybody know. Amen. Very quickly, very quickly, I want to just uh, uh, add something to what, uh, by the way, that was marvelous, wonderful. Praise God. Uh, In the Jewish faith, we reread the Bible every year. We start and we go through all of it. And then at the end of that year, which is, of course, a different time of the year than, than we have here because it's a Jewish year, we start reading it over again. 
And the reason why is pretty obvious. Every time you go back to the manual, every time you go back to the instruction book, you see something new. It affects you differently. So don't ever, we should never think we've read it enough, that we understand it enough. We're being revealed slowly but surely. He's, he's unveiling that tapestry for us as we keep going back to it. So please remember that. Thank you. God said that some of the secrets are reserved until these latter days. Mm-hmm. Right. That some of it we can't see until these times. And that's the season we're going in. Amen. And then I've asked Ben, the uh, booth that we have out there, we're going to move that to the back side of the playground. So after everybody's had their time of fellowship, if we could have four men all we need is one on each corner. It should be pretty easy. We're going to move it back to the fence, and I drew a picture for Ben. So if anybody would like to help Ben with that, he's right back there in the back booth. Have some time for your fellowship, a little coffee, and praise the Lord. We love you all. We're blessed.